Hi friends, and welcome to another episode of the Oakham Church Podcast. Now before we start full disclosure, I want to um, be completely transparent. This is the second time that I've recorded this podcast. The first time I recorded uh, yesterday, which is the Wednesday, so just to give you a frame of reference, today is the 7th of April. I did record on the 6th on the Wednesday like I do every week. I try and remain uh, a constant for you so you know every Wednesday you can check back and there'll be a podcast for you. But um, due to some technical issues, and you can read in parentheses there, me not understanding how this app works, I accidentally recorded this episode of the podcast as a segment and attached it to the previous episode of the podcast from last week. So now I've been able to wipe that off that one and now we're re-recording this week's episode of the podcast. So with my full confession made to you now, I ask for absolution and your forgiveness and uh, we'll begin. And we find ourselves finally in the final fourth chapter of Jonah as we're working through this weird little book about this weird prophet um, in, quite frankly, a weird time in our existence, not just as it uh, pertains to living in the world in 2022 in that still in the kind of throes of the pandemic and and the the conflict between uh, Russia and Ukraine and and all sorts of other things going on around the globe and within our own countries as well but also within this season that we find ourselves in in the calendar this time of lent and it's this time to reflect it's this time to look back on our lives so far Uh, and examine our lives right now and look to what's going to happen in the future. It's all about, as we dig into this story of Jonah, looking at our own stories within our lives. And it's on this theme of story that I want us to focus on in this episode. So here is Jonah, chapter four. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? See, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and wanted to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, 
in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. And that's it. That's how this book ends. You can flip across to the next page of your Bible to see what Jonah's answer is. You can carry on scrolling on your phone if you're reading the Bible on an app to see what Jonah's going to say next within this back and forth between him and God. But there is nothing. That's it. It's just left resounding. That question is just left hanging in the air. Like I said last Sunday, there's no kind of nice wrap-up. There's no neat, tidy Disney fairy tale end to this story where Jonah says, oh, you know, right, you, you're right, God. I, I, I was wrong to, to just fly off the handle about all these things that are out of my controller. And you're right as well. I was, I was wrong to pass judgment on the Ninevites. In fact, I'm going to go in there now and celebrate with them, celebrate the fact that they, they heard the word, they believed you, God, that they, they responded and reacted in the correct way and that because of that, you've now relented and that they can live in peace, safe in the knowledge that all is well and we can have a party and enjoy ourselves and that's not what we read we're left with this question and we don't know how the prophet responds we don't know if the prophet even answers anymore or if he just drops his head and goes home we don't know if this real transformation and change actually ever takes place we don't know it's unfinished It's not neat and tidy, it's messy and confusing and left kind of a little bit unfulfilled. And that's the reason that I love it so much, because this is life. That's exactly what life is like, isn't it? It isn't neat and tidy and all tied up nicely like a Disney fairy tale ending. Things are messy and difficult and complicated. There are questions asked of us that we have no answers for. And as I said at the beginning, it's this idea of story that I want us to be thinking about during this podcast. You see, throughout this story of Jonah, Jonah has been believing and acting on stories that he has believed either about who he is or about who other people are or even about who God is. And we see it kind of coming up again and again. We have it in this kind of angry outbursts from Jonah about isn't this why I was trying to stay away from this in the first place I knew you were going to act like this God it was this story that that Jonah had about who God is and and what God is like and there's also stories that he believes about who he is and what he's like and about who other people are and what they're like and it's with this idea of story in mind that I want to share with you another story as this is a story from the old testament here is a story from the new and it's a story about a story it's a story that jesus tells and he tells a story in luke 15 about a man who has two sons and the younger one demands his share of the father's inheritance early earlier than was expected and the father in a a twist in the story as well unexpectedly says Yes, he agrees. He gives it to him. And so this uh, uh, younger son takes the money, leaves home, spends it all, and then eventually returns home, kind of tail between his legs, hoping to be hired as a worker in his dad's family business. 
And again, in a twist in the story, unexpectedly, the father welcomes him home. He embraces him in this big bear hug. He throws this homecoming party for him with a barbecued fattened calf and a disco and everything. Which we're told in the story at the end, the older of the two sons, the older brother refuses to join. It's unfair, he tells his father, because he's never even been given even just a goat so that he and his friends could have a party. And the father says this to him at the end of the story. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then similar to how the story of Jonah ends here, this parable that Jesus tells is just left hanging. The father goes back into the party with the younger son and we're left stood there with the older son thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to go off in a strop not listening to his dad? Is he going to go into the party and embrace his lung lost brother and his father? What's going to happen? And it's left unresolved. But the reason I bring this story up with this idea that we're thinking about stories within stories and the stories that we tell ourselves or the stories that other people tell us is I tell this story of Jesus because of the number of stories that are being told within this one story. You see, within the story, the younger brother tells his story. It's his version of his story. And as he's heading home in shame after squandering and wasting his father's money, he's rehearsing that speech that he's going to give to his father once he gets home. You see, he's convinced that he is, what does he say? No longer worthy. No longer worthy to be called his father's son. And that's the story that he's telling himself. And that's the one that he's believing. It's stunning then and shocking and and scandalous almost that as he gets home, his father demands that the best robe be put over his shoulders and that sandals be put on his feet and that the family ring be placed on his finger. You see, robes and rings and sandals are all signs of being a son. Although the younger brother has decided he can't be a son anymore, the dad in the story is telling a different story. One about return and reconciliation and redemption. One about being a son again. And so now the younger son is in the position where he has to make a choice. He has to decide whose version of this story is he going to trust. Is he going to trust his own story? Or is he going to trust his father's story? Which one is he, is he going to believe in? That he's no longer worthy to be called a son? Or the story in which he is this robe, ring, sandal-wearing son who was dead but he's alive again, who was lost but he's been found? There are two versions of this son's story. His and his father's. And he has to choose which one he's going to live in. Which one he's going to believe. Which one he's going to put his faith in. Which one he's going to trust. Now this isn't all just about the father and the younger son. This story has a third element as well, doesn't it? The older son. The older brother. And the same, it turns out, is true about this older brother as well. He has got his own version of the story that he's living out of too. 
He tells his father at the end, doesn't he, in his outburst, in his rant, a little bit like Jonah in chapter four. He says, all these years I've been slaving for you and and never disobeyed your orders. And you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice here in the story, he can't even say his brother's own name. He says, when this son of yours, who has squandered your property and your wealth and your your influence and your, your name, he's wasted it all on prostitutes and he comes home and then you just kill the fatted calf for him. Now, there's so much going on in so few words there, isn't there? You can almost sense that he's been saving this speech up for years and years and years. That it's just been quietly bubbling under the surface. All this frustration and this annoyance and these feelings of what he's been believing within this story. And it's been bubbling up. And now out it comes. It all spills out in this big tirade. And it comes, it spits it out with venom. And we have three things that we get from this this older brother's speech here. First, in his version of the story, he's been slaving away for his father for years. That's how he describes his life, living as a son in his own father's house. Slave. That directly contradicts the few details that we've been given about the father who appears to be anything but a slave driver in this story. Second thing we notice from the son's outburst is this. He says that his father hasn't even given him a goat. Now a goat, unlike a fattened calf, doesn't really have a lot of meat on it. And the meat that it does have on it is quite like stringy and fatty and and meagre. And there's not a lot going on here. So even as the son is trying to conjure up the type of celebration that his dad would throw for him, it's rubbish. It's stingy. It's not very good at all. The kind of party that he envisions just isn't that impressive. And what this reveals is that what he really thinks about his father, he thinks he's cheap. So not only does he see his dad as a slave driver, but he thinks he's cheap. And then the third thing that we get from this younger brother's um, kind of outburst is this. He claims that his father has dealt with his brother according to a totally different set of standards than how he deals with him. What's he saying here? He's saying that his dad is being unfair. He thinks like and feels like he's been wronged, he's been shorted, he's been passed over, he's been left out, and he is furious about it, he's angry. He might even say, if he was questioned about it, angry enough to die, just like Jonah. And all of this goes on with the party in full swing in the background. So he says his dad is a slave driver. He says his dad is stingy. And he says his dad is unfair or unjust. Now, after this, you could kind of forgive the father for biting back at the older son. But he doesn't. He's not rattled. He's not provoked into an argument. He calmly speaks to his son. Very similar to how... God calmly speaks to Jonah in chapter 4 here. And he just simply responds with this. My son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. And then he tells them that they have to celebrate. You are always with me. 
and everything I have is yours. In that one simple sentence, the father manages to tell a completely, entirely different story about this older brother. He deals with those three things. Firstly, the older son hasn't been a slave. He's had it all the whole time. It's always been his. There's been no need to work. There's been no need to obey orders or slave away or try and earn something that was already his and something that he'd always had since the beginning. Secondly, the father hasn't been cheap with him. He could have had whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted it, with whoever he wanted it. Everything, the father says, everything that he has is his and has always been his. Which includes, of course, fattened calves for barbecue. All he had to do was receive. And then thirdly, the father redefines this idea of fairness. It's not that his father hasn't been fair with him. It's that the the father never set out to be fair in the first place. That was never the point of the dad in this story. It's grace and generosity. That's what we see again and again and again within this story Jesus tells in the New Testament and within this story that we've been reading and working our way through in Jonah during Lent and also within our own stories as well when we look. And the truth about grace and generosity is grace and generosity aren't fair. That's They're not meant to be fair. That's, that's how they work. The father sees the younger brother's return as one more occasion to practice unfairness. The younger son doesn't deserve a party, does he? He deserves a smack. That's the point of the party. That's how these things work in the father's world. It's about profound unfairness. And it's about um, unapologetic generosity. It's about people getting what they don't deserve. That's grace. Parties are thrown for younger brothers who squander their inheritance. That's grace. After all, how does the father put it? You are always with me and everything I have is yours. What the father is doing here is retelling the older brother's story, just like he did with the younger brother in the scene before. The question then is the same question that was confronted the younger brother with. Who is he going to trust? Who's he going to believe? Who's he going to listen to? Will he trust his version of his story or his father's version of his story? Who will he trust? What will he believe? And that's what we see here with Jonah as we get back to our study. What will Jonah put his trust in? Who will he believe? What story will he believe? Maybe in the past he'd been told certain things about himself or he believed certain things to be true about who a prophet should be and what a prophet should do and what's expected of a prophet and he believed stories told by other people about himself. Maybe he believed the story that he was telling himself that he's not brave enough to go to Nineveh that he's not strong enough to make that journey on his own, that he should just give up and die, that they should just throw him overboard, that they should just leave him in the desert to die, that God should just finish him off there and then at the end of chapter four. And what story is Jonah believing about other people within this story that we're reading as well? 
What things has he believed that he's been told about the types of people that these pagan sailors are and how they act and how they behave and what they deserve? And in like the people of Nineveh and the king of Nineveh, what types of people they are, what they've done in the past, who they are, how they behave and what they deserve. All of these stories are helping to tell the story of Jonah. And God here in this conversation, and particularly with this question at the end, is confronting Jonah, just like the father does in the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew, and says, who are you going to believe? What story are you going to believe? And it's left open, because the same question is true for us today. Friends, maybe you were told things in the past. You had your story spoken into from parents or teachers or figures of authority or your friends and family told you, oh, you'll never be good at that or oh, you're a whatever. You're in that family. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never be able to go to college or university or get that kind of job or live in that kind of area. You'll never be able to do that. This is who you are. Or maybe you're telling yourself a story and you're believing the things that you're telling yourself about who you are and what you're capable of doing and the types of places that you can go and things that you can do. Maybe um, you're, you yourself are telling stories about other people, about who they are, about what they've done, about how they're going to act or supposed to act and w whether or not they're deserving of or worthy of or whatever the story maybe and so as we finish this study on Jonah the same question is left hanging there for all of us to think about and answer who will you believe who will you trust in which story are you listening to right now is it your story or is it God's story friends who will you believe today grace and peace <laughs>